You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Hey, Colin. Hi, Rob. How are you? Good. So Kat's preparing for the Yomp over there in the UK. 16 miles last Thursday? Yeah. On Saturday, I did, I did 16. Aren't you doing it also, Colin? I, I mean, Team Fortitude is just eating that up. <laughs> yeah. they're not they're, 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 they're doing great and i've done um yeah i've done a lot of stuff with them but i'm, I'm not on that one i've um, got lots of preparation stuff for my own things for this uh, charity boxing event yeah how's that going i kind of followed it on facebook saw a bunch of pictures of you like like training for it are you actually going to be in it yeah i went down to a charity boxing event um a couple of months ago and in my um Drunk in haste, I agreed to do some charity boxing. Um, and drunk in haste. <laughs> so so I've, I've signed up for three boxing matches. Uh, the first one will be in September against three. London. Yeah, London Amateur Boxing Association. And that'll just be um, just to see how we are against amateur boxers and kind of see what our weights are and how, where we're going to appear on the card. And then, um, yeah, in November the 11th, Remembrance Day across here, we've got the Remembrance Rumble. And uh, we're looking, we're hoping to get some uh, US um, SF guys across and fight for our charities. So each individual fighter will, will box for their own respective charities and there'll be, you know, a nice meal and a charity auction and, and some entertainment on. And we normally have one or two celebrities across from it. And then we're hoping to have the away, away leg of that, the return of that probably round about independence day across there so july probably hopefully in somewhere like madison square gardens and, oh and wow you guys are talking big stuff then i mean madison square garden yeah it's it's, it's huge and a guy and apparently you guys have a celebrity who's um who's leading that and that's been kept secret from us we've we've let ours out the cattle out the bag a little bit we've we've got nigel ben who's one of our old um um, real, real high quality boxers who's going to lead the team out, and he's ex-military himself, and um, guys like Ricky, Ricky Hatton who are going to help with the training and stuff like that. But so we're all um, we're geared up, and we've been playing Rocky music and and watching Creed <laughs> in, in preparation for it. Uh, I love the whole yeah. Rocky music because actually, Kat was listening to that Saturday when she was doing her 16 mile trek. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it keeps me motivated when I'm walking for hours on end. Four and four hours and eleven minutes on Saturday, and it's just like this weekend. I have to do eighteen miles, and it's not so much the walking; it's just the time. Like, I wake up at like three in the morning and just walk. I'm like a crazy person out there, <laughs> just outside by myself walking around. But no, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So, how many how many guys do you have so far boxing, like yes. uh, SAS guys? So I think we've got eight eight SES guys, um, all at different weights. And I think I'm the lightest at about 175 pounds. Um, we've, we've got some big guys. And um, we really need, we're looking for guys to fit the right weight categories. I don't have them all. I'll be the lightest. So I would imagine there'd be anything from 175 pounds up to about 250 pounds. Yeah. Um, so all the, all the different kind of weight classes. And really we're looking for any U.S. SF guys who um relatively novice boxers but around about our age, kind of forties or, or above or or even that have just, just left and, and want to take part for, for charity and 
yeah, pick your pick your respective charity and yeah, just um, yeah, have fun really, have fun and raise awareness for the, the respective charities and kind of lead on on this kind of cross the water collaboration and and sharing experiences and support. When do you think that they're going to make the announcement of the celebrity person on this side of the the water? I mean, why would you not do that already? Because that could I, really boost the image here. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know whether the it's like slow release. Um, you guys are playing mind games on us. <laughs> <laughs> Always one step ahead, and and you know, just got that in the background is your your ace card to to you know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I have no doubt it'll come out at some stage, or maybe there's a couple of guys they've got in mind and they're just finalising it. But yeah, looking forward to it and looking forward to the event and. Um, yeah, but I think both in London and New York, it'll be it'll be a great gig, and hopefully the the future of something on an annual basis, which I'd like to see kind of forces wide. So I'd quite like to see our Marines against U.S. Marines, our Paras against your Rangers, and make it a big thing. Uh, promote a lot of the different units. Um, get the females involved as well. Get some of the amputees involved, and and raise awareness for all the different charities because there's a lot of them out there. Oh, I love it. Actually, we had Mike Glover on from Soft Survivor. He owns a company, Field Crap. And he is a former Special Forces and sniper. And we were I was telling him about it. And he was, I think we were off air when we were talking about it. And he was like, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. I might want to hear more about that. So we might have one. That, that'd be great. And yeah. uh, see a lot for it on the um, Fight for Lives website. Um you, you'll see a lot of the information on it about the dates of the events, the different charities. We've got some local media, local newspaper, The Sun and stuff that are going to be promoting each individual fighter, their charity, and they'll have details about it. Anybody that goes on uh, on my Twitter or on, on my Facebook will probably see lots of different um, sharing of, of um, each of the individual dates and, and some of the charities involved. So, yeah, there's a number There's a number of ways. But, yeah, we're hoping to get as many U.S. guys involved as possible. So the first one's in November? So we've got the first one in September, which is for our guys just to fight the London ABA, and that will be our first real real boxing match, really, right. as, um, as individuals and as a team. And then November will be the first of what we consider the two kind of main events, home and away. So November will be the London gig on Remembrance Day, and then probably around July um, across the Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's awesome. So is it going to be streamed live, or is it just uh, oh, that's, that's good. internal yeah. that um, we can I, watch? Or Yeah, I, I don't know whether it will be streamed live. Um, they're, they're talking to satellite guys at the minute about possibly covering it on satellite TV. If that doesn't happen, it will definitely be streamed, but I don't know whether it will be streamed live. The last smaller event that Phil Campion was at, that was streamed, so you could watch um, you could watch that afterwards. But um, yeah, big good question. I, I don't know whether it'll be live. It'll definitely be streamed. Everyone will be able to see see all the fights, irrespective. But whether it's live or whether it's streaming or satellite, I'm I'm not sure. But certainly the satellite companies want to do this on a kind of annual basis. So this is amateur. So we're talking three rounds. Yeah, so it'll be three three minute rounds, um, and then it'll kind of go to the judges. Um, there'll be a little kind of space for. You know, each fighter talk about, you know, maybe at the end about their, their their charities and there'll be a kind of lead up in terms of what that fighter represents, where he's from, uh, what why he's fighting, who he's fighting for, a shout out to, to friends and folks back home and such like. And then, yeah, it'll be a real, 
it'll be casual, but it'll be a formal event. So a lot of these things are like black tie events and stuff, but yeah. actually the um, the atmosphere inside, you know, there's normally a meal, there's a charity auction, um, there'll be loads of different prizes, there'll be celebrities there, and um, yeah, it should be a good night. Assuming once they release more details about it in the U.S., they're going to make it available to actually like purchase tickets to the event, right? And, and I'm assuming that would go to charity, or is this just, this isn't like a free-for-all if you want to go to the one in uh, New York? Yeah, so the one, in New, the one in New York I'm not sure about. I've only seen the tickets advertised for the two in London. You can buy them now. You can go on the www.fightforlives.co.uk website. But the, um, the ones in New York, I'm, I think the U.S. veteran guys are going to run with. And yeah, the, I mean everything goes everything goes to the to the charities. I think the 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 Fight for Lives website they're going to kind of sponsor the whole of the event. They're looking for sponsors, and they'll have their own kind of sponsorship. But each individual fighters from both the UK and the US have their own individual charities that they want to fight for, and obviously there'll, there'll be money raised for them as individuals and through the. The company thing, so yeah, it's just to really kind of share share the awareness, but have a have a kind of fun fun night as well. I'm looking forward to it. So I saw a video as well about the SF experience. You got to tell me what's going on there. Did you guys decide to do a show where you're going to be bringing people on and giving them full on experience of what it's like to be in British Special Forces? Yeah, so the Special Forces experience, I, I got involved with um, those guys. That 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 was um, that was a a company that um, it offers um, civilians and serving and ex military a, a chance, a kind of unique window through which to to view that SF world so they might get an insight into the kind of terrain, the timings, the distances that are need to be covered for the endurance part of selection. could be evasive driving, it could be escaping evasion, um, it could be field craft, it could be a whole list of things depending on which event they sign up for. So I get involved with those guys and um, some of the instruction, um, you know, I'm doing book signings at various events and and getting involved with those guys. So yeah, if you if you look at the TSFE, the Special Forces Experience, you have a look at their website. You'll see see a couple of promo videos that they put up there, and some of the some of the events that they they host. Which is probably, if you were a civilian, that's probably the the closest you would come to to sharing that kind of Special Forces experience. Do you have to have certain criteria, or age or gender? I know for your other show, Who's Dares Wins, you have to select them. Now with this show, do you have to select them or are they just, if it's a free-for-all? Yeah, so on the Channel 4 show, we we actually wanted to have as much to do with the pre-selection process as possible. And I was disappointed that we weren't, but I can see now why, because some people are for television, they make good television, but from our perspective, we would look at them and think that, you know, right away, they're, they're not SF. They don't fit that mold. Right. For the SF experience, it's slightly different. As long as the kind of medical side is there, and obviously we have to be careful and make sure that people are not putting themselves in harm's way, it doesn't matter whether you're a man, woman, young, old, um, amputee, which whatever, we, we encourage everyone to go on it. And there's different levels and tiers and medals depending on, you know, the, the time, the distance, um, your age, your gender, and you can you can tailor that accordingly. Yeah. So that's 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 quite good as well. And what one of the things on the show I, I always wanted to have um, women on on the channel for show and and I hope they still would. 
because I would like to see that. Um, we're, we're unfortunate in our SF world that we don't have a massive infantry um, from a female perspective to draw on for our SF. And, um, but I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that on the Channel 4 show. And luckily, the Special Forces experience, there's, there's a lot of women that sign up for it. And a lot of women do very well. Do you have to be in the UK to do it, or is it, like, open for everyone? No, no, you don't. I mean, as long as you're in the UK, obviously. But, no, you don't have to be from the UK. We've got a lot of um, foreign nationals that turn up and just want to, to have a go of it. I've seen, um, yeah, Swedes, Danish, Dutch. Um, yeah, uh, all sorts. It'd be, it'd be great to get, to get some, some Americans on there. And, and our, you know, our, our SF, um, I think the Delta SF's modelled on on the SES selection, so they're they run in parallel. So it, it would be great to um, it'd be great to have, have Americans on it. In fact, when we had foot and mouth across here in the UK, um, we actually run our selection across and, and did the did parts of the Delta selection for for our guys. So it, it's good that happens. Sounds like you're interested, Kat. <laughs> I gotta I gotta finish walking. <laughs> I got a hundred miles to walk here. I can't break myself. So I'm doing the 50 mile training plan now, and then I do the hundred mile at the beginning of the year. So in December I'll have a, I have about three week, three to four weeks break. But I don't know. <laughs> I hear these things like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> like I want to go through hell. <laughs> but I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I can only make so many trips over and back. Yeah. Unless you guys come here, I'd be down to do it. Yeah. And good luck. And. um yeah, keep um, keep posting stuff up, and I'll and I'll share it and um, retweet it and stuff. But no, best best of luck for that. And um, yeah, let me let me know when you can get across, and we'll try and squeeze as, as much into your your trip as possible. So how how long is the SF experience? Like how what's their time limit? Yeah, so they have all different types of events. You can turn up for a day and do uh, one of the one of the treks. There's weekends. They're thinking about doing longer things that incorporate different modules. So perhaps you do one phase where you're on the hills, another phase where you do a bit of driving or maybe even surveillance, and then another phase where you do kind of escape and evasion and interrogation. So you can tailor it according to like what you're, you know, what you're looking for. So it's just you could just go out there for one day. Yeah, and that's it. That's insane. <laughs> I would Events. want to do like at least a weekend. Yeah, there's weekends. They do a lot of weekends. I think the one in November is a weekend. Um, but they also have the fan dance, which is quite that's quite well known across here because the fan dance is that's the kind of end of your first week of SF selection, and it's a very um, so it's kind of a milestone on on selection. Um, it's kind of twenty four kilometers in just over four hours. But it's quite steep. You know, you go up Jacob's ladder and up Penny Fan. They call it the fan dance and it's quite well known. That's one of the events they run. Um so yeah, check check that out. That's good for a kind of one day blast to um kind of measure yourself. So and you said that they get medals for each achievement? Yeah, they have different tiers, they have different timings. So you know, if if you wanted a gold medal, you would achieve the march in between this time and this time. Then there's a silver medal and a bronze medal. And then they also have a kind of almost a point system where you can do um, lodestones or whatever, which is one kind of week of selection. And depending, as long as you pass all the, all the kind of marches on that, that puts you forward to the next stage. So... You know, there's a lot of um, a lot of guys and gals out there with different certificates and medals, which makes it more easy to com- to compare it as opposed to a kind of pass fail or a complete didn't complete. 
you know, because even if you get a bronze, maybe next year you'll have another go and try and get a silver or, you know, so you've got something to kind of work towards. And you know when you've got the gold level standard, that's equivalent to kind of SF standard. So it gives you something to kind of aim and measure against. That's cool. I'm going to definitely follow that. That's neat. So I'm going to switch gears here because we have some people that have been asking questions and maybe some people have approached you, Colin, about how is it that you go into British SAS or how do you become special forces and what does it take? Yeah, I guess from, um, I've had a lot of questions like that. And I guess that um, go, go on, if, you're, if you're military and you want to go into the SF world, um, I think it's, it's more a mental mindset than a physical one. Physical attributes help. It helps to be fit, to be able to carry weight, to be able to go a long distance. But that mental mindset is absolutely paramount. And that, because that crosses over all different um, spectrums, whether it's teamwork or you're working on your own, the interrogation phase, um, going through an operation with limited data um, and having to make decisions. That, that all comes under the kind of mental capacity. So I'd say that's a generic um, thing. There's always things you can do that will help you train. So I would always say, um, you know, we're working on in similar terrain. If you're going to do um, in kind of um, aptitude phase of selection, it, it's worth being able to, you know, navigate over that kind of terrain. Um, you want to be covering around 4Ks an hour at um, at worst to be able to, to kind of pass the checkpoints. Your navigation's got to be good. Your own personal um, administration's got to be good. You've got to know when you need water, when you need to take on food, when you need to stretch, wrap something up, tend to a blister, take a rest, um, do a map check. And then obviously things like the jungle, that's a total different environment. And that, that's what I would see as, as the real soldier in part of selection. So that's contact drills, observation and surveillance, um, micro map reading, pacing, um, cleanliness, looking after your team members, um, recon, all those kind of things come under um, the umbrella when you're in, in the jungle phase. And that for me is the most testing part of selection. After that, it becomes fun for me because it's kind of the kind of terrorism part, the, you know, the kicking doors in and doing close quarter combat, parachuting, um, escape and evasion, interrogation. And um, yeah, I found that the longer selection went on, the more fun um, I was having, if, if I can use that term. But yeah, they're, they're, those are the kind of basic characteristics in terms of that, being able to work on your own, but be able to be a part of a team and also be a leader because um, everyone in the team should be a leader. That that comes under that mental capacity as opposed to physical. Do they have peer reviews as you're going through the training there or is it strictly just based on how the leaders are evaluating you? What generally happens is that um, the, the the aptitude phase is, is just based on, on timings, you know, and, um, you know, you, you hit the times and, and, you get, and you get through. Once you get to the jungle, then it becomes you're more under the eye of, of the directing staff, the DS, and they'll normally sit around a table every night and discuss each candidate in turn. And then, you know, that's when you hope you don't stand out for the for the wrong reasons. And um, generally, if you think that happens over the period of four weeks or whatever when you're in, in the trees, that's quite a lot of data to be getting passed around between DS. You'll normally come under one um, DS for the first kind of three weeks and then for the final exercise you'll have a completely different DS you've got a second pair of eyes and almost somebody 
to corroborate, corroborate what the first guy said. So, you know, and it's if you have a clash of opinion, then that's when it goes to the table. But if both DS say yes or no, then that's normally a good indicator that you've um, kind of made the grade. Is it set up so that anybody from any career field can go into SAS? Like here in the States, if you want to go Special Forces, I mean, you can be in transportation. You can be in just about any military career field to go into it. Is it different there in the UK? Yeah, here in the UK, if you wanted to go into the SAS, you could come in from the RAF, the Navy, the Army. I mean, you can you can even come in from the TA, providing you've got relevant uh, regular experience. So if you're in um, two one or two three SES, which is our reserves, providing you spent a certain amount of time with a regular unit um, and can prove that you you have the attributes, you can go for selection. So the SES is kind of services wide from that perspective and, and we would encourage that because that gives us such a, a broader sense of experience and, and flavor across the board. Where have you seen most of the people fail or struggle within the SAS experience? Um, I think on the SAF experience itself, um, generally a lot of that has been on these um, endurance marches and stuff like that and people might not be um, well prepared for it. They might not have put um, the right preparation and whether that's map reading, looking after themselves, looking after their, their feet or how their equipment is on them. Um, it could be something simple like navigation. It could be working on their own or um, it, it could be, uh, do you know what, when the chips are down and I can't really, I'll just follow someone and that can always get you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of them are based around the hills, um, but they're, they're branching out now, these events, and they're taking on a whole new flavor in terms of whether it's driving or E&E type events and stuff like that. So they're, um, it'll be exciting to see how, how people deal with that. The book experience is coming up really soon. Yeah, so the book's, uh, the book's out in November. And at the November fight in um, London on the 11th of November, uh, Collins are going to release a load of books for me to sign and have available. Um, well, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that. There's a, a few book tours, uh, signing tours um, on as well. So so that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, the MOD are in talks with them about uh, making sure that everything's okay. So yeah, it's been really positive. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like it's going to be a really exciting experience, of course, now. Is there a movie that's going to be coming out of this or something? Have you talked with well, anyone? You never know. My um, my agent uh, Emily Dartis Partnership. She's um, she specialises in book to movie, and it's it's definitely got a lot of potential for book to film. So yeah, who knows? It's early days, and the book's not even out yet. But yeah, that would be that would be great. Who would? Yeah, I was about to say. Right, who would you want ahead. to play you? Well, I'm, I'm biased. I, of course, I want a Scottish actor, so it has to be <laughs> someone like Jared Butler or something like that. You know. That's fitting. I can see that. <laughs> Got to be some uh, good-looking guy, muscular, the whole bit. Maybe what six foot two, two thirty, totally different. Yeah, I like where you're going with that, Rob. That's <laughs> that's me to a T. Uh, yeah, all, all those attributes. Forget all those attributes you heard earlier. Those, those are the. Those are the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw those out the window, right? Yeah. It's so funny, though, when you start seeing the difference between the real-life person and the person that you believe to be the character within the book or the person on the movie screen. You see the real life, and you're like, really? 
That's that's totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And you see that sometimes. And I think if, if the book ever got made into a film, I would want to have some kind of cameo somewhere so that people, you know, just to prove that grey man that um, people would say, <laughs> what, the guy was in it, was in the movie? Where? And I'd be like, I never noticed. They just walked in the background, you know. But um, I think that would kind of tell a story in itself. Heck yeah, it would. I've actually seen that happen on occasion where the author or somebody has actually their real character has been in the movie and you always go back and you go, oh man, I'm going to have to rewatch that scene again because I don't even remember that guy being there. So that... yeah, yeah, that's right. I think it was in that Will Smith movie, wasn't it? The yeah. Pursuit, was Pursuit of Happiness. Um, and, and, he, and he bumps into him at the end and I thought it was a nice touch. It's, uh, it's yeah. No, that would be funny. Or you be the instructor or something, the DS there in the very beginning that's given your character hell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's been um, there's been a few uh, films in the US where where they kind of and they're 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 pulling more on US veterans to kind of uh, feed back into the kind of movie industry to put that realism. That Mark Wahlberg recent movie that had a lot of right um, veterans and stuff in it, and um, the recent one about. Um, was it in Libya? They, they got a lot of uh, they got a lot of the veterans to get involved and feeding back into the, the movie, so it, it's got more kind of realism to it. Outside of the boxing, outside of the book, what's coming up next? Anything else exciting? Yeah, lots of different uh, charity type events. So I've been speaking recently with NSPCC. So the first part of my book kind of relates to the childhood and the NSPCC link. So I'm um, hoping to get involved in both speaking and some events with them. I'm doing a number of different kind of charity treks. So I've got one in mid-September to Nepal for uh, two weeks building schools out there. Um, And then I've got one next year with them, and that's with the Lead Rhinos Foundation. That'll be looking at taking some... some kids from around the Leeds area do the the trail, the Kokoda Trail up in Papua New Guinea. And um, that's an old kind of veterans march where the Australians kind of carried the the ammunition up when they were they were fighting the Japanese and that's quite a good trail to do and we'll try and take some amputees up there as well and um, that should be good and that will be through the Lead Rhinos Foundation so I keep them busy with the charity work in between some of the motion capture work I do with Rockstar Games, public speaking and booking TV stuff so a lot's been happening in the UK right now but the Chilcot Report and um, I've done quite a number of news interviews with BBC and an ITN about the kind of impact of the war from um, a kind of intelligence and, and, and both a public opinion type, you know. So Tony Blair's and the crosshairs across here and that whole intelligence piece about but before the war and, and our kind of the stuff that happened after we got there, I think, you know, right. how. Right. How much did we do to, to kind of repair Iraq and stuff like that? And I mean, it's a straightforward one from a veteran's point of view. We went there and did a job and did it to the best of our abilities alongside our American brothers and sisters. But from a politics perspective, that's a whole different, um, goes way above our pay grade. But that's, um, so I've been involved with the Chilcot Report a little bit and um, just having that kind of military voice. Is that out there on YouTube or anything like that, where you can see it? Yeah, so I'll um, yeah I'll try and send some links. It's, okay. it's on my website. My, my interviews are on my website, uh, Colin-McLaughlin.co.uk. I've, I've put some of the interviews on there, but um, yeah, there's there's been a lot made of the Chilcot Report. It's been quite a long time, a long time coming, um, and I guess most people would say that from a military perspective, you know, we did a did a good job, but um, from a, perhaps a, a politicians or a restructuring 
hopefully there's there's stuff learning points that we can take forward and um you know hopefully have a bit more of a, a stay behind impact when we uh, when we leave places but yeah, it's, it's politics and religion. It's normally above my pay grade. Yeah, I try to stay away from it. How has the feedback been just from, I guess, the civilian side? Have, have you gotten any flack or, like, positive feedback from, from being open and, and talking about it? Yeah, I think it, it's an interesting um, dynamic where you've got kind of two sides of a coin. You've got the politicians and then the military action at one, uh, one end, and one directs the other. And from our perspective, you know, people are... Public opinion's quite quite good at the military across here, similar to to the states. But there's a lot of um, a lot of kind of finger pointing at the politicians and the decision making process. And you know why why didn't they think of all the mechanics that that go forward? You know, once once you've won the war, once you think that the the war fighting's over, what next? And really, that's a kind of politicians. Um, that, that's in their field, you know, we kind of do the war fighting and lay the grounds for everything else to take place. But if it doesn't happen thereafter, then who's held accountable? And I think what's good across here is that we are, there's one there's one side that says politicians shouldn't be held accountable. But then a lot of people are saying, well, a lot of our veterans were held accountable for some of the actions they did in Iraq. So why shouldn't the politicians be? Because they're the guys that sent them. And again, these are, these are kind of um, political arguments that are happening at the minute, but um, it's an interesting perspective to get the military take on it because from our side, you know, we just go and do our job like it, any other service, you know. Yeah, that's interesting to think about, you know, getting your perspective on you go in there to do the job that you have to, but how do you how do you really feel about the job that you're doing and, and if you know, you know, kind of the backstory on why it needs to be done. And for you to put that perspective out there, hopefully it kind of bridges a gap and lays the responsibility where it needs to be. Yeah, I guess as a, a serviceman or woman, you've got to be apolitical. You you can't. Um, we don't represent a political party. You know, um, we we go out there and we have a job to do. So we kind of lay the groundwork for politicians to be able to do their job. And in places like Iraq, that's exactly what we do. So if if, if the country needs support we'll go in and try and lay the foundation so that the support can can come in after us and um, how good or how bad that support is afterwards is is not really um, the major part of our our skill set you know and we can only we can only really do regardless of our political outlook if we have one um, is do our job to the best of our abilities and I don't think anybody would deny that you know, the coalition did that. No, I agree. It's definitely a touchy subject. I like what you're doing with the kids, though. I mean, there, I had a question that was actually brought up of why aren't more veterans actually becoming role models to younger children? Because there's a real opportunity here just based on the life lessons that you learn as a military combat veteran, especially, that can be shared with the earlier youth. And so I like the fact that you're kind of doing that big brother type of thing, getting an opportunity to, to mentor them. Yeah, and it's it's one of the things that Pilgrim Bandits are really good at. They take amputees and veterans, and they they sit them alongside um, young people, and 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 provide that that kind of like you say that that male role model or, or someone with real experience that's probably come from a position not too far from them. You know, I was sure. a different person when I joined the army at fifteen than I am now, and that's that's you know ninety nine percent of that's due to the military side. So. You know, you, you have a lot to, to offer when you come out. And um, 
at an age where, dare I say, we've got a lot of um, poor um, adult role models, male and female, out there on, on public display on television sets and social media. It's good to have that veteran perspective. You know, these these are guys that have fought for something worth fighting for. They've got real values and perspectives on life, and they bring real experience and dynamics in terms of leadership and teamwork. So, no, absolutely. They, if anybody, they, they bring the most to the party. So it's great to see that when that's encouraged. It is. I think we need to do a lot more of that here in the States. I'm sure there are certain types of organizations that do it, but it's just probably not publicized as much as it should be. It's a real opportunity that doesn't need to go to waste for sure. Yeah, I'd agree. If you think about it too, especially with the way that the world is, you, we're trying to make that generational shift and leaving a better place for one more for our children and their grandchildren. I think we have a responsibility to do that. Yeah. Well, it's good catching up with you, Colin. I'm glad you were able to come join us back on a show. We're going to have to do this again, obviously, in the near future, especially with all these boxing events. I hope I don't see you with, you know, a bloody flat-up nose and face and scars all over and the puffy eyes. And (laughs) I'm I'm really going to be praying for you, brother. This is Yeah, you might find my camera's broken, um, (laughs) coincidentally, at some stage, if um, I look like something at a Phantom of the Opera. But, you know, I've I've, I've always said I've got a face for radio, so um, there's there's no great loss there. <laughs> uh, I was about to say your your female fan base might drop a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I doubt it. They're gonna come gonna... running to your aid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might not be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to change the locks on your doors. So <laughs> September, we're only talking about six seven weeks away. Yeah, I've been um, I've been cutting down the way a little bit and um, on the bags and the skipping rope and um, the, it's funny the Leeds the Leeds 10K set me back a little bit. Um, I do I do a little bit with Leeds Leeds Rhinos Foundation, so I, I went down to run the Leeds 10K with them and it was then that they told me I'd be keeping up with Kevin Sinfield, who's one of their kind of legends. There, he's he's the captain that's just kind of just recently hung up his boots from the kind of treble win inside. And um, he'd obviously been training for it. And I said, you know, what kind of what kind of time are you thinking of doing this? And he went, oh, you know, as long as I'm under 50, I'll be fine. I thought, okay, that's not too bad. And he set off absolutely lightning. And I got to the halfway point and I felt my calf starting to pull. And you know when your pride makes you keep going? Yes. Think, I can't give in. I've just got to keep going. And um, eventually I had to, to give in and say, look, I'm going to have to let you pull away at the end because I can't. My calf's uh. pulling up. It got all bruised underneath, so um, really? I probably didn't do myself any 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 favors. But um, I think he went round in about forty five minutes, which was slightly too fast for me. But um, yeah, that was a lesson learned. So yeah, you try and balance all these things and keep them in perspective. So yeah, just remember that cat. Don't don't go injuring yourself now. You're in for the long haul. Oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm what nine and a half, ten months out. Like really biking and walking, just pacing myself i i'm definitely not wanting to go out there and and kill myself so yeah no i'll be i'll be good by the time the walk comes up you just got to stay motivated to walk for hours on end i swear that's the only part it's just like man this is a long time of just walking (laughs) yeah so and I'm trying to keep my, you know, like you were talking about, like, uh, what is it? Um, my mile time is like 15, around 15, 15, 30 to skip four miles in an hour. And that's been working out pretty good. I mean, so far so good. But I, I guess we'll see when we get there. Yeah, it's a good pace. And it's, I guess it's just about setting many goals and then slowly eating away at them like anything else. And, and you'll, you'll know better than most in terms of that kind of mental strength. It's the little step by step keeps you going. So 
you set this one set of goalposts, you reach it, and 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 you get another one. But you're doing great, and um, yeah, just keep the keep the support flying in. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll definitely all my miles and everything. You'll see them on there, and I, I'm tracking them. So I think I came out to with my training program is going to be over. By the time I get to the Yomp, it's going to be around like 2,000 miles, around, yeah, 2,200 miles. So I'm just walking. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. That is so. a lot. Well, thanks again, Colin. I hope you have a great evening there. Appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to speak to you, and good luck, Cap. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four MIL, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.